right, welcome back on the air, everyone. It's another good evening. This is Kevin Finkelbeck with our seventh episode of Magic the Final Frontier. So in this podcast, we discuss Frontier, the non-rotating magic format, from Magic 2015 onward. Our hope in the podcast is to be the number one online source for Frontier lovers, keeping you up to date with what is new, powerful, and interesting in the world of Frontier. So I'm joined, as always, by my hosts here, Matt Murday, the Frontier Grinder from Toronto, Ontario, and Kevin Hanlon, format expert and host of the Untap Open League. So guys, tonight's show, I haven't seen you guys for a while, I'm excited about this one. We're going to be analyzing the result of the God of Frontier tournament on Heruia. Uh We're going to elaborate on the return of an old Menace deck from it, which I'm pretty excited about. And we'll, uh, we'll kind of go through the list there, see what we're thinking about. I think that's a big thing we want to talk about this evening. I'm really excited to talk about this tournament. I had an excellent time watching the stream replay of it today. I was unavailable during the weekend to watch it, and it was incredible. Yeah, so this has just come up. We've already got some great content on it. They streamed quite a number of the matches. We've already had some people writing articles, including Jeremy Dizani, who uh, used to be a big Magic player, has been playing at Haruya and a couple other Frontier events. So it's great to see his work out there. All right, so why don't I just start out by running us through what the top eight archetypes are, and then we're going to jump in and look at some of these decks specifically. So in that top eight, we've got our number one deck was a Dark Jeskai Control deck. That's pretty cool. Number two, Mono Red Aggro. Both of those make some sense. I mean, we've seen Control. It's been building up. We've certainly been talking about it. Mono Red, no surprise there. Number three, we had a four-color rally, and we also had a four-color rally in the seventh place. Uh, on top of that, we had an Esper Approach control deck. We had a Blue-Red in Soul, which we've seen as a frequent in Japan. We got a Bant Coco, which we always love to see. And we mm. got another Blue-Red Prowess, which is another one of those kind of Tier 2, or n- not even Tier 2. I mean, it's been a strong secondary choice. N- not so much Tier 2, but it's been a secondary choice for aggro decks outside of just being Mono Red or Tarka Red. So let's start digging into these lists. I'm really excited first real list outside of us who have some Ixalan cards in them. (laughs) So let's take a look from the top here with the number one list, four color control. We've got kind of some of the usuals. We've got the four Jace, four Soulfire Grandmaster, down to two Torrential Gear Hulk for creatures, a whole slew of kill spells, you know, Fatal Push, Fiery Impulse, Crackling Doom, Colgon's Command, Kozilek's Return Main Deck, Painful Truths, Claim to Fame, which is one that I love, always want to talk about that card, and a full four dig through time. That's the whole list. So I think, <clears throat> I don't mind this deck. It's okay. I think Japan's a bit more of an aggressive metagame. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense to see a list like this at the top of it, where it's running something like four Fiery Impulse. I think in the West, we tend to favor more Abzan lists, and uh, I think control would be a lot harder for it, like just a blue-black control list, or even uh, Grixis control. Something running a few more counter spells, and where, you know, these Fiery Impulses, Fatal Push, Crackling Doom, they're all kind of dead cards, right? Like it has this, this deck has a lot a lot of cards that only really kill small things. It's and also specifically worth, creatures as well. Yeah, yeah, and for one, I, I'm not huge on fiery impulse over, say, lightning strike because lightning strike can stop the Sahili combo, which I think is still a relevant thing to be packing for, and I, I, I don't see quite enough ways to deal with it 
uh, on demand. That's a great topic of discussion is fire impulse here versus the other possible red kill spells they can be running. So we've seen magma spray, we've seen wild slash, which can hit the Sahili combo, or more popularly lightning strike is usually the one we see that hits smuggler's copter, hits the combo, hits a few bigger things than what we're seeing out of a fire impulse in most cases. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm also, <clears throat> I know you guys are going to disagree with me on this, but I really don't like the full four set of Soulfire Grandmaster. It is a good card and has its place, but even in an Atarka Red meta, uh, my experience with it has been mostly I drop it and it gets lightning striked before I can gain any health with it. Uh, so it's just, I haven't seen it be that effective. It is a good card and there's, there's space for it, but I think I think someone was saying in the finals uh, this particular deck got to like 50 life versus Atarka Red, which to me says they just... Atarka Red drew really poorly, and they just never had an answer, uh, which to me is just is not something I've seen happen consistently at all. And I, I think I, I prefer the consistency uh, of some of the other light, life gain cards in white, like Erish and Cleric, or even Seeker of the Way. Actually, I want to speak to that a little bit, because I know that you spoke a lot about Atarka Red. What I witnessed for the most part in watching the stream of this tournament is that Atarka Red is actually falling out of favor, and Mono Red's been taking its place. So, it's specifically at Hararuya. So, it was interesting to watch just a very, very small turnout of Atarka Red on the stream. Another thing I'm not crazy about here is Painful Truths. Uh, it's a deck very focused on beating Atarka Red, and I feel like main deck Painful Truths is. It's such a hard thing to pull off compared to just having hieroglyphic illumination or or so one of the something other something instant of, speed, yeah. One, and not just instant, but one of the other versatile blue draw spells. Like the great thing about about uh, hieroglyphic hieroglyphic illumination is you pitch it into your graveyard by cycling, and then you have the option to bring it back later as the Gearhulk, or you can hard cast it. Excuse me, in the late game if you need to. Yeah, the Painful Truth does feel like something that we know we're going to gain this life. It's their kind of one concession to the fact that their anti-control matchup is not going to be very good at all. But I mm-hmm. think that in that place, something maybe like a Liliana could have been a better position card. So I think uh, as four-color control, it's really tough to fit Liliana into the game. That, that, is, a, that is a problem with running four-color versus yeah. three or two-color. And it's one of my actual issues with a few of the control lists I've seen here where they have white in them at all. I think the only real draw I can see to white is Soulfire Grandmaster. And I think you give up a lot to run Soulfire Grandmaster in in a control list. In three color, I might also say Shambling Vent is good. They've only got one of them in here. I might say Fumigate, but that's hard to run with double white. That would be almost impossible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Like, double white is a really, really big ask when you're running four colors. You mostly want just a single pip of any color in your spells. So what it seems like is that they're, they're, this deck is all in on the Soulfire Grandmaster plan. The Fiery Impulse is, is a, it's part of that. I mean, we kind of saw this deck drop off a little bit when Fatal Push came out, and you had another one-drop kill spell that was usually better than Fiery Impulse, and then Fatal Push plus Soulfire Grandmaster isn't quite as good of a combo. Wow, actually, you know what? I didn't catch There's four Colligons Command on this list. That is a crazy amount of Colligon's command. And and maybe make Soulfire Grandmaster a little bit better? 
Right, because you can return it, and it makes Jace better too. So, so I actually almost think the opposite. I think that four Colagons command is even more reasonable. Four Colagons command and a claim to fame is even more reason why three Soulfire Grandmaster probably would have been fine because you're always going to be able to buy it back. Yeah, I agree. With, I agree with that. The tuning may be off on the number, but I just mean the card as a whole is is a, maybe a little better um, because you have those re- ways to recur them. So. Question for you guys on your control lists of late. Have you been running four dig through time on your control lists? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Usually, yes. I have seen versions with three that I think are acceptable. Yeah, I think three is acceptable. Yeah, I think three is fine, but usually two gear hook. Yeah, this list does look like it did have some tuning, even though there are a lot of four ofs that are kind of questionable. Yeah, the only, like I said, the only thing I, I see from this is that it was an aggro-dominated meta. And there wasn't a lot of uh, well-tuned control lists. I, I think some of the control lists we have in the Untap Open League would probably smash this thing to bits. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, I think it's it's not a bad deck at all. It, it's it's pretty good. It, if, you're, if you're facing down a Tarka Red meta, like... Uh, oh, I want to be on this for sure. Yeah, Red deck wins, and that's just all it is all day, which seems to be what Harry uh, has been for the last little while. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, this is probably okay. I think that's big, is that one thing we've always been talking about when we look at control lists is what are the mirror breakers, and I'm not seeing a lot of them in this. I mean, Colgan's Command is a bit of a mirror breaker. It's card advantage for cheap, and it kills the enemy gear hulks. I think that's a good card in this. Crackling Doom might be okay, but we're not seeing some of the real big mirror breakers like the Search for Azkanta. He's got one of them in the side deck, but he wasn't committing to put it in the main. We're not seeing those Vraska's Contempt, which look very good. Sphinx of the Final Word, nor ways to answer it. Like, if somebody lands the Sphinx of the Final Word, they don't have something like Blinded Fen to get rid of it. Though I guess they have Crackling right. Doom in this one. They have Doomfall as well. Fever Visions is another great mirror breaker for the blue-red versions. Blue-red-white, or usually blue-red-black Grixis. And is also great with Soulfire Grandmaster, just to put that in there absolutely that's true yeah so looking at the sideboard a little bit as well i see three gifted aetherborn and two more kozlex return even more for that mono red matchup they've got another copy of painful truths another copy of claim to fame a copy of doomfall which stands out as something strange three duress which is pretty standard and then three disdainful stroke is the counter spell of choice right no other counter spells (laughs) it's like mostly a black red list so where was where was the cat combo? Doesn't that seem like it would just run over this? I have to assume there hasn't been a lot of cat combo over there. I saw a few in this list, but I think they were sideboard techs. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not sure. Basically, it seems it seems like cat com- this would struggle with cat combo. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the dominance of red deck wins has really been driving down cat in the Japanese metagame. That makes sense. Yeah. One thing I really like out of the sideboard, and I think we don't see it enough, is gifted aetherborn. Uh, I've been really, really hot on this card since it came out, and it's just, it's such a beating. It's so hard to interact with as an aggro deck. You just, you have to kill it, or yeah. you can't really attack. Uh, I think I would have liked to see it backed up by Kalidus. I think Kalidus is, like, notably missing from this list, and I know it's a four-color list, uh, but I think Kalidus is that good. I think Kalidus is... I think Kalidus is worth the extra pip. So a combo here that I am a big fan of as well is Gifted Aetherborn plus cards like Claim to Fame and Colagon's Command. If you're recurring those Aetherborns, there's just no way that Red's going to get through that. Definitely, yeah. And I mean, Gifted Aetherborn itself has two pips, so... Mm -hmm. I I don't think we can be be too hard on Kalidus for having two pips. So I think think Kalidus would have been a, a... 
you could easily have fit two more Kalidas into the sideboard beside the Gifted Aetherborn. I think, anyway. Yeah, he would have been a shoe-in for sure. Or even main board. There, there's there's ways to fit him in, and I think he would have been worth it. So let, let's start talking about cards that aren't in this list that we normally would expect to see in a control list, because I feel like there's a number of things standing out. The first of them might be new cards, such as Opt. Uh, well, I want to start, start by saying that there's no Disallow in the list, and there's no Negates. Nope, none of them. That, that's a very strange move. I think Disallow is, is hard to justify main board into an aggressive meta, but I think, like, I like Negate as a one-of, um, I think there's, it, it's hard to fit a lot of counter spells, but I think I would have wanted a number greater than zero main board. That's kind of my take on it. Yeah, absolutely. Counter spells are a big part of control, period. And oft, I'm, I'm slowly being convinced that the right call in, in control in particular is just to have hieroglyphic illumination instead. I guess last things, did you have anything else, Sky or Kevin, that you would like to say wasn't in this list that you were hoping to see? I mean, oft is definitely worth mentioning. Especially with buyback. Sorry, not buyback. Especially with... No, it is buyback. Yeah, with, with the Soulfire Soul Grandmaster. Grand Master. And that's something we've said about Jace as I well, is that true. having opt in the graveyard, and that's one advantage maybe over the Hieroglyphic Illusion, is that having Jace early with opt means that you've got something to flip in those decks where you aren't always getting to rebuy, like a Fatal Push or a Duress early on in the game. Yeah, I guess because, so when I think opt these days, I think about, and especially in Standard and Frontier, what comes to mind for me is Search for Azkanta, and that's what I've been, like, observing our blue-black lists really frontlining in their strategies in the league, and so seeing just one Search for Azkanta in the sideboard, that kind of brings to bear just why we're not seeing that many opt because even with four Jace, the the huge payoff for all this cantripping is going to be search for Ascanta. Uh, even then, search for Ascanta is really hard to justify into an aggressive meta anyway. So I I get that. I agree on that as well. Yeah. All right. So the last thing, the one that I saw that maybe it's not in every deck like this, but I do wish I saw in this one is the Dragon Master Outcast. That's something I always liked in these kind of lists where they're bringing things back with Claim to Fame or Kolagon's Command here, and it's just something that could have been another one of those cheap recurring threats. Yeah, I could definitely see that as a possible one-of in the sideboard. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Sky on that one, too. I think that's that's the exact right number in the exact right place. <laughs> exactly. All right. <laughs> so, no, right number's right place. Let's move on to a super consistent deck, which was number two, run by Takahashi Jun and Mono Red. Sorry, I didn't give the uh, the name for the winner here. It was uh, Kihara Atsuki. But yes, this uh, number two list, Mono Red, that's not too much of a surprise for us. But do you want me to run through the numbers here? Absolutely, let's do it. All right, so we saw four Monastery Swift Spear, four Soulscar Mage, that makes sense. Two Zergo Bell Striker, that's usually the extra one drop of choice. We did have a full four Abbot of Carol Keep and a three Reckless Bushwhacker, so that's a little heavier on creatures. Uh, counting in on creatures there, we saw three smuggler's copter not the full four we have three of the hordling outburst and four dragon fodder so quite a bit of creature here we've got three stoke the flames we've got three wild slash one abrade those are the removal spells of choice and then one chandra main deck with a full 21 lands yeah i think this this tuning for a red deck for a ramen up red deck is perfect mm-hmm. i agree eight deserts seems right and then he has a scavenger grounds in the sideboard which is awesome 
I actually really, really have been dying to talk about this deck since I watched the stream. So if you guys don't mind if I take the reins on this one. Oh, go ahead. So I think that Takahashi got an amazing read on what the metagame was going to look like because a lot of what I've been observing in the Haruruya tournaments is this struggle between red deck wins and collected company. Right? And Collected Company comes in all these shapes and forms. You've got Bant Humans, you've got Naya Humans, and you've got Rally. And Rally was huge at this tournament, and that's gonna that's gonna come up in our later discussions in the top eight. However, the three rampaging Ferocidon put in oh, so much work against Rally. I watched it just be an insta scoop for the top 16 match where Takahashi played against Rally. And it's it's just such a beating for that deck. And to consider that your two-for-ones that you're getting on Collected Company and your two-for-ones that you're getting on Renegade Rally or your two-for-ones that you're getting on so many things because that's what Collected Company decks do best are punished by Rampaging Ferocidon is amazing. And I think I misevaluated this card in the beginning as an answer to Sahili combo, and instead, I think it's a better answer to the decks that answer red deck wins. That's an interesting take on. I I, I think you could convince me. I think that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, before before you even let me try to convince you, you need to watch the top 16, 16 match with Takahashi. It was just amazing. Sounds good. So the one thing I really like here is Chandra Torture Defiance as a one of. I think we've seen a few more greedy lists uh, in the UOL, which they end up running a, a, just too, a little too heavy, I think. So they run either uh, Hazaret or Chandra, but they tend to run like two, three, even four of. And yeah, it gets, four of is Hazaret in a lot of cases, yeah. Yeah, it just gets really heavy, right? So I think I think the one of is, is perfect. It, it hedges your bets a little bit and, and gives you that top end without kind of overcrowding your deck with these four drops that really red deck wins don't want anything to do with. At the same time, though, let's talk about Hazra real quick because that's a notable absence from this list. Normally we do see Very. some number of Hazret even in the sideboard. Here he's using some different sideboard cards. There's another Chandra in the sideboard. There's a Sarkin in the sideboard, which is unusual. The F5 drop from Kans of Tarkir. There's also a pair of Outpost Siege, which is kind of their grindy plan. Now, do you think and there's the a drop- Savage Alliance, too. Yes, there is a Savage Alliance. So we've seen some of those kind of sweepers come out of the red deck wins before, is that you know, you're facing another aggressive deck and your prowess creatures will be big enough to survive it. Theirs won't, so that's always pretty good. Well, actually, that one just is to an opponent's control, so that one's even better in that case. But we've seen things like the do, do two damage to each creature without flying, and those seem pretty good. Yeah, I'm not surprised by Savage Alliance as a mirror breaker. Uh, I'd be pretty convinced the Sarkon is a fun of more <laughs> yeah. than it is uh, anything else. I don't think that would have been a problem being a third Chandra or a Hazred in that spot. Or, might I say, Exquisite Firecraft. Hmm. See, we're thinking about that control meta with Exquisite Firecraft. I mean, that's that's why you run Exquisite Firecraft, and that's, I, in my opinion, why this deck lost. Well, I mean, if you look at it, the control deck didn't really have any counter spells anyway, and they <laughs> weren't true. they weren't bringing them into uh, a Tarka Red if they did. No, they weren't. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I think the choice between Chandra and Hazret. You choose one or the other. I don't think you go both, so I'm not surprised not to see Hazaret. This, I think this particular person just 
decided that Chandra was his top end. So you choose either either Hazret or Chandra as a top end, not both. All right, why don't we talk about that? Which cases would you choose Chandra versus Hazret? Is it based on what you think the removal is going to be? Because we've seen decks that are just running the Fatal Pushes, the Lightning Strikes. They don't have a good way to kill Hazret, but they could take out Chandra. Whereas when we look at the other list, they've got Fiery Impulse and they've got Crackling Doom. So they can kill Hazret with Crackling Doom, but they don't have a way to touch Chandra. Abzan Charm also hits Hazret? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. it does. On the other hand, what I would have wanted Chandra for in the past would have been control and like really grindy matchups. Yeah, I agree on that with, because you want her for the card advantage. With the advent of Vraska's Contempt uh, in these these uh, blue-black control lists, I think I'd rather Hazret, who at least is probably going to get to swing before mm-hmm. she dies. Yeah, I mean, that takes care of both of them, so that's yeah. tough to say. In, in the past... Yeah, but Hazret will at least just get that. I mean, I guess they're playing at instant speed, but Chandra usually doesn't do much when she first comes down because you don't have the mana to cast a spell off of it. Mm-hmm. And four mana to deal two damage is fairly underwhelming. Probably depends on what you're against. If she can come down and kill something like a Kalidus, then it's huge. Even if you trade that with a Vresk's Nept, that you're coming out way ahead there. Absolutely, that's true. Yeah, Chandra is just the picture-perfect painting of answers in red, right? And versatility is her game. And yeah, so if if you expect a variety of threats, I think that Chandra is definitely the pick. And if you expect tall threats, I think that Hazret is the pick. I think if you're if your plan is still to just race, Hazret's better. I think yeah. if you need to grind, Chandra it takes the cake. Absolutely. So I think that we should talk about the reasons why one would run mono red over a Tarka red. And the thing that I want to bring to focus is Smuggler's Copter. Hmm. So I think that in a lot of cases where we're seeing mono red, especially eight desert red, that we're seeing either three or four copies of Smuggler's Copter as a way to provide advantage over a Tarka red. And Primarily, it's the biggest difference between the two lists. What do you guys think about that? I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm not following as well. Tarker Red always runs three or four Smuggler's Copter. Has Tarker Red been running Smuggler's Copter? I mean, as far as I, I, every list I've seen has been a Smuggler's Copter list. It's one of the best aggro cards in the format. Okay, so what do you guys think the attraction is in that case? I think it's that uh, Ramen Up Red is a standard deck that people just <laughs> convert over and mm. they they don't necessarily have a Tarka's Command because it is one of the more expensive cards that you could take into a red deck win deck that aren't current standard cards. I think that's tough to say. That's the definite reason. We've seen quite a bit more Roundup of Red than would just be, oh, this person's making a budget decision. It is a hard question, though. I don't know if I've completely considered why you might want this mono red. Well, whether what it's- I'm saying is that more people have ramen up red than have a Tarka red and the reason for that is because ramen up red is a current standard deck and i think a lot of the people especially in japan who are playing frontier play standard as well i think it's just it just happens to be that splash so would you recommend you should always just change over to a Tarka red if that's not a budget concern i think a Tarka red's a better deck absolutely i actually agree can we think of any matchups where this kind of ramen up red might be favored i was one thing thinking is the mirror we're not taking any damage off of our lands we're not stumbling against things like thalia which might stop our land base from coming in untapped is that a consideration for this red deck if on the other hand you're killing them a turn slower because you don't have a tarka red 
I don't think the, the life concern matters as much. I haven't seen a Tarka Red to stumble on its land because of Thalia as much as not be able to attack into Thalia. Mm-hmm. And I think that issue is actually exacerbated when you're Ramanop Red because you don't have a way to go uh, bigger across your board, right? So there are ways where you can just, or there are situations in a Tarka Red where you just punch through because you have a Tarka's command, right? So your creatures yeah. just get big enough that they can attack into Thalia and it doesn't matter. Whereas in this deck, I, you basically just have to lightning strike. You have to kill Thalia. Right. The way that I look at it is that everything in a mono red deck is a one for one. So you're getting little increments of damage where you can, with the exception of Reckless Bushwhacker. We talked about it last week as well, where Reckless Bushwhacker is kind of like a not as good at Tarka's command. And it's not a reason I would consider to run mono red over a Tarka's command. I think the argument is that, yeah, I mean, mono red is cheaper. However, a Tarka's command is so often nine damage on a two mana spell or more. Yeah. It's a crazy card. Just crazy. (laughs) And I think the opportunity cost, that's my big problem, I guess, is the opportunity cost of going a Tarka red from mono red is just super, super low. Mm Mm-hmm. You run eight fetches and a couple tango lands, and that's it. Are you guys ready for deck I'm excited about? I mean, I'm excited about all these. What am I talking about? It's Frontier. <laughs> all right, but <laughs> number three by, okay, this one's going to be tough. Utsunomiya Takumi, I think. That is a mouthful. <laughs> um, this is a rally combo deck. And I'm very happy to see this back in the format. It's been one of those things. We've mentioned it briefly. We've kind of said, oh, it's not here because Sahili combo. It's not here because Atarka Red's not the best matchup, maybe. And certainly some of the things hating on Atarka Red, like Abzan, they've been hitting this deck kind of coincidentally. But we've been still seeing some of that artifact hate sitting inside boards. Not anymore, I guess, because Rally is back. Rally's back. All right, so for those of you who haven't seen this deck in Frontier or during its time in Standard, the namesake card is Rally the Ancestors for White, White, X. Return each creature card with converted mana cost X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Then you exile them at the beginning of your next upkeep and exile Rally the Ancestors. So they don't get haste, they don't get to attack, but we just play all of these value creatures. We play Collected Company to get them all into play for cheap. And then it just explodes everywhere. They're just building value, building value with a fair game. And they have things like Zulaport Cutthroat that every time one of their creatures dies, it's draining for life. They've got Nantuko Husk, which can sacrifice all your creatures, get a combo there to take them out. It runs Jace Vince Prodigy to bring back those rallies and those collective companies. Usually cards like Elvish Visionary, which he has as a two of here, Seder Wayfinder, which fills your graveyard and makes lands as well as Reflector Mage, we've got Renegade Rallyer, we've got Spell Queller, all these just great value creatures that it's so hard to interact with this deck, and it's fair game, and then the combo plan of Rally drain you for 15. It just ends games on the spot. Yeah, most definitely. I love, specifically on the third-place Rally list, the use of three Spell Quellers and four Reflector Mages. It's just so impressive, because you can play this tempo control game in the early game, while you wait for your combo to stick, and then 
just grind and grind and grind and grind until you get there. And as always, if you don't have to rally for the game, you don't have to rally and drain them for a bunch, but if you rally and bring back a Jace, you have a chance during your upkeep to flip that. If you bring back Visionary or Reflector Mage, you're getting value out of that. Catacomb Sifter, who scries and gets you additional value as well. Yeah, most definitely. It was so fun to watch this thing <laughs> perform again. Like, ah, I miss this deck so much. This used to be like... If you were running Collected Company or you were running a lot of, like, three-mana value creatures, this was the deck that you bluffed as, right? Like, four-color Rally the Ancestors was like, oh, okay, well, he's running Spellclatter, so he must be on four-color Rally the Ancestors, so... I don't think this deck actually went anywhere. This deck never stopped being a Tier 1 deck. It's just, there's two factors, I think, that lead to it being played a lot less. And the first is that it's just, it's not very popular. I think it has kind of a bad reputation as being kind of an unfun... Like uh, a boogeyman? Yeah, it has this reputation as this boogeyman and being kind of... I've never really talked, or I shouldn't say I've never talked. I haven't talked to a lot of people who are like, yeah, I love playing against Rally. <laughs> like, you know, it's just I don't know that I've ever talked to anyone who's like, who loves talking about or playing against it. And there's not a lot of people who love playing it either. Uh, there are a few, but it's a small it's a it's a small crowd. And the second is that it's a fairly hard deck to play optimally. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. What you see is you need a good pilot on one of these rally decks to actually manage the top eight you can't just sleeve up rally for the first time and oh no absolutely you know, not do do okay suicide. on it yeah so i think i think we see kind of a skill uh barrier in the way and we see a popularity barrier which is why we don't see too much rally i think at basically any given time it could be a solid tier one contender. I would probably compare it on those fronts to Lantern Control in Modern, which is also a deck in, I think, Legacy. But in Modern, it's just like such a slow deck to play, such a slow deck to play against. And like grindy, staxy, a lot of your games go to time, a lot of... Like, the viewability is lost on your matches, so you're not going to be at the feature table, and it's just (laughs) not fun to play, so it's not fun, unless you're one of these players who really, really, really likes telling people no. And in that case, like, yeah, sure, maybe it's the deck for you. So I I don't see it quite the same way. If I were to compare it to a modern deck, I would almost go more so with the... What is the name of that deck now? Uh, Affinity. (laughs) Really? Affinity. I would compare it to Affinity. I don't think that this deck has bad matchups. This deck has sideboard cards that kill it. And it's completely Mm. dependent on that. See, I don't see it that way at all. I don't think there's that many sideboard cards that kill it. Like, Hushwing Griff is really hard. Hushwing Griff is brutal, yes. It's not a card you can't beat either, though. Especially because, as you see, there's three Fatal Push here. And there's also Tireless Tracker to help with those grindy situations where Mm -hmm. you can still overwhelm a Hushwing Griff deck. And just beat them with card advantage, you know? I agree. You've got Manglehorns for Tormod's Crypt. So you can attempt to pop their Tormod's Crypt, and then they have to wait a turn to blow you off with the next one. Uh, Also, Tormod's Crypt, like, as much as it's a necessary card, a necessary uh, hate card, it's a pretty bad card. 
because it doesn't even trade one for one. Like it's just kind of like, all right, I'm going to turn off your combo for a couple turns until you can, you know, do do all this, go through all these motions again. But it doesn't stop them from winning. Like a lot of the harsher graveyard hate cards in modern. So it's just it, it doesn't turn off the combo. It's not like you drop Tormod's Crypt and they're like, oh well, I guess I lose now. They're like, oh, I'm going to have to deal with that at some point. And right, it's, it's not rest in peace. On the other yeah. hand, some of the harder ones are Anafenza is very difficult for this deck because she does save from anywhere so any of the ones you're milling off your deck those are still going to get exiled by her Kalidus hurts against this deck sweepers are tough against this deck cards like that, that were these are a lot of cards that we're frequently seeing in the meta so Kalidus and Anafenza are in my opinion fairly easily dealt with with reflector mage and spell queller mm-hmm. hushwing uh, griff not so much yeah hushwing griff obviously uh, that doesn't work. But I haven't seen that to be necessarily true that it's just stomped out by these hate cards. What was the third hate card? You had Cletus, Anafenza, and... Uh, I said Sweepers. Sweepers. I haven't found Sweepers to be particularly hard for this deck to deal with, in part because they don't mind their stuff dying. Yeah, they like their stuff uh, dying. They get to drain you. Secondly is Collected Company, and they're just going to rally it all back for the kill combo anyway. If you're playing, like, if you're relying on the fair game to, and, like, beating through with your creatures versus, like, control, yeah, a Sweeper can kind of suck. I, I, don't, I don't see that same kind of... I mean, a Sweeper with Kalidus on board or something, that, that hurts. Mm-hmm. So the other yeah. one that I did want to mention is Hallowed Moonlight. We've even seen that come in when this deck is big because it does it destroys Coco, it destroys the rally itself. That's the one that until you draw a card, it's an instant, and until end of turn, if creature would enter the battlefield, and if it wasn't cast, you exile it instead. Yeah, that is a super good card. But that sure. one's a very specific card. It doesn't have yeah. it isn't good against other decks like some of the graveyard hate is like some of the sweepers or the Kalidus, which are cards yeah. that we're, we're seeing anyways played. Yeah, you have to be really confident uh, that you're going to fight rally to put that card in your sideboard. I yeah, think. most definitely. Um, and I would like to dog ear that one for our conversation on the colors in frontier, because I think that hollow moonlight is definitely one of the reasons that, white is one of the best sideboard colors. Oh, that's what I would agree with on white, is that there are so many sideboard options in white. Yeah. So let's talk about new cards a little bit. I want to talk about one that is here that I was hoping to see kind of played in this list. I also want to talk about one that I didn't see here that I was hoping to see. You were so, hoping to see Merfolk Branchwalker. Yeah, I was hoping yeah, to see yeah. Merfolk. Okay, we'll go with that one first. So he's running two <laughs> Elvis Visionary and Merfolk Branchwalker, in my opinion, in this specific deck, is just going to be better. So can you remind me what that does? Okay, so Elvis Visionary is the 1-1 that when it enters the battle, you draw a card. Merfolk Branchwalker is the 2-1 that when it enters the battlefield, explores. So in this deck, if there's a land on top, you're getting a 2-1 instead of a 1-1. That's a big difference as far as your clock. If you see a creature on top, you get to put it in your graveyard. Now you've got a 3-2. That's something that this deck would be interested in. Or you can leave it on top and you still get a 3-2. If it's a creature in this deck, I feel like you're usually just going to throw it in the graveyard. If it's a collected company, then you're leaving it on top. So that's that's the one downside where you're getting, oh, it's only a 3-2 for 2. But you've got a collected company on top. You're in a great position. So it kind of, it, it self, it, it kind of is self-protecting itself. It's self-hedging. I am not sure I agree with that assessment. Uh, only because Elvish Visionary is just straight up card advantage, and exploration or explore rarely is, and when it is, it tends to be it's a land, right? So you're not getting, you're not drawing into a Coco or or a critical combo piece. Like you're not drawing uh, into more gas, and I think it also, yeah, just 
being able to hit the board with this particular card so many times between Coco, Hardcasting, and Rally, I think the actual raw card advantage matters because you're going to draw into cards that are going to further your game plan better than just another land. I, 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 don't, I, I like Explore. I think it's a, it has a lot of potential as a mechanic, but I don't think it's places replacing Elvish Visionary in this list. We can table that for now. However, I do want to say that I've been watching Explore put out results in Modern. And if it's good enough for Modern, it's good enough for Frontier. <laughs> Absolutely. Merfolk Branchwalker is one of the huge, 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 like one of the two draws into Simic Merfolk from standard blue Merfolk in Modern. It's it's just so much advantage, and Explore is very, very, very easy to underestimate. If you haven't drafted much Ixalan, like, it plays a lot into games. I think the last thing I'll say on Visionary versus the Merfolk is that the Merfolk plays a much better part of their fair game. So the Visionary, if you're not able to combo off, if you're just kind of the slower deck, if you're trying to fight against something like a Tarka Red or you're trying to get under Sahili combo, a 1-1 is not helping your plan at all. Whereas a 3-2, that can be huge. You can get Renegade Rally or bring one back. You've got 9 power on the board out of nowhere, and that's, that's See, awesome. I don't agree with that because... The Elvish Visionary, you cast it, and it draws you another card. So it's not just it's not just a one-one body. It's like a one-one body and a Reflector Mage in hand. It's a one-one body and a Coco, a Renegade Rallier, all any of these things, right? Like this card, this deck is jam-packed with value cards. So drawing more of them, it, it's important. Uh, I agree that Explorer is a powerful mechanic. I don't see it replacing Visionary specifically. You might be able to talk me into replacing other cards in the deck, but Visionary is a hard sell. Right, did you have something more to add, Kevin, or did we want to move to that other card I wanted to bring up? Yeah, we are going a little long on our rally talk, so <laughs> yeah. I'm happy to see it back. I'm happy to see it doing so well, and we should probably go on to our next deck. Well, we've got a number seven deck that we can talk about as well. But no, I did want to mention one other card that I thought was going to see some play in Rally, and that's the Kite Sail Freebooter out of the sideboard. This is the mm-hmm. one-two flyer that, when it enters the battlefield, does a duress effect. So when we had Rally in Standard, we had this effect out of, I believe it was Brain Maggot? That was kind of before the uh, the rotation of Theros. Tide we, Hollow seen that, does Oh, it Tide Hollow Scholar. That, yeah, that's, yeah, we had a couple of things that had that effect. And it seems like something good. We want to have bodies. We can't afford to be having, playing non-body creatures. But the deck needed more interaction. I think that that gives it a little bit more that it didn't have. I very much agree with you on this one, actually. I think Kite Self Rebooter is a natural fit. And the thing I like about it the most, I think, is that it has flying. So yes. in addition to its relevant effect... Uh, flying makes this an actual real clock, which is one of my issues with um, the other uh, excellent card. I can't d- deep root. Deep root champion. Yeah, my brain just does not want to remember. So that's the, the one one that kind of has prowess. Is that the one you meant? No, the one where uh, we were just talking about it. Sorry, Branchwalker. Yes, yes. Branchwalker to me is going to have trouble pushing through any of the creature decks. Right, a three two. That's not a lot of fight. Uh, for a ground creature, which is one of my big problems. Uh, like a lot of two-drops can just fight that and win in this format. Uh, almost any creature deck has a two-drop that will just fight that and win. Uh, versus the Kite Sail Freebooter, uh, they fly overhead, right? So it, it does mm-hmm. increase your clock a fair bit, and the flying is very relevant in this format where we don't have a lot of strong flyers. Yep, absolutely. I agree with that. 
Okay, so let's talk about our other top four list. This one is an Esper control list featuring Approach of the Second Sun and was run by Dobiashi Ryuma. Now, this list, we were looking at a little bit before the show, and I wanted to like hold back comments so we could be on air. It is a weird <laughs> list here. It's so weird. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to run through the list just because... It's it's really out there. We got twenty six lands. We're seeing three fatal push, one spell pierce, three blessed alliance, one censor, two negate, two disallow, four supreme will. So here's all those counter spells we didn't see in the other list. We've got languish as a sweeper, two fumigate as a sweeper, four, four settle, settle the, the wreckage. wreckage as a sweeper. Four settle so the wreckage. If you guys missed this one, this one's the instant for two and two white that exiles all attacking creatures target player controls, and then that player can search their library for that many basic land cards and put them into the battlefield tap. So on top of that then they've got four dig through time three approach of the second sun and four cast out as removal no creatures whatsoever <laughs> okay i'm not even done here because i do want to talk before we even no, normally we'll talk about sideboards after but in the sideboard four felidar guardian four sahili <laughs> rye <laughs> that's yep. an even weirder twist here so can you guys tell me what's going on with this list or is this just something crazy so this is it's a blue white control list splashing black for Fatal Push and Funsies, in my opinion. <laughs> and splashing red for sideboard. Yep. Yeah, which is really, really bizarre. So if you're looking at this, there's let, let's actually look at the lands. Normally we kind of just go over this, but the land base itself is weird too. There's only one red source in the Smoldering Marsh, and that can only be got off of four polluted Delta. So that's going to be difficult to get. And then we've got four each of the blue-white and the blue-black check lands as well as a few other ways to get blue-white then. We've got three of the Prairie Stream. It's much stronger in blue-white. But that's actually a lot of duels. Not that many fetches. Not that many ways to get something like red or black. Really out there. I just, I can't imagine this deck is good. (laughs) (laughs) I think, like, the only way it possibly could have gotten here uh, is if people just didn't expect it and, like, didn't understand what it was doing until... You know, Until they've been all, settled the wreckage, done all of their stuff, and the first approaches come out, and they're just yeah, in it's a, it's approach into dig through time approach basically is is what happens yeah. right mm-hmm. with yeah. some counter spell backup. So I think the problem is once you know what you're fighting, you it's really hard to win as this deck, which is probably why uh, it turns into a Sahili deck post board. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's I'm sure took some people by surprise as well. Yeah. What do you guys think about the Blessed Alliance main board? I don't okay. love the card, but I don't hate the card. So again, I think something we've been seeing is that we haven't been sealing Sahili Rai, so Blessed Alliance gets a lot better when you're not worrying about killing a Felidar Guardian before it can attack. Yeah, I think it's solidly okay. Not a bad card. It's strange to me because it's so rare for me to see Blessed Alliance anywhere else than the sideboard as a way to answer linear aggro decks, or non-linear aggro decks, rather, when they're trying to burn you out with both creatures and going to the dome with spells. Now, one thing I do like is that you play, you see Blessed Alliance early on, you're more likely to, oh, I'll send in my 1-1 so that they can't Blessed Alliance my, my Hazaret or whatever else it is. And then you get them to settle the wreckage, right? Then you get them, Kevin. <laughs> then you get them. It's interesting to see a prison-style deck, deck uh, built, and it obviously did pretty well at this particular event, but I think once people catch on to what you're doing with this deck... I think you're toast. I don't think... I think you lose to, like, one Lost Legacy. I think that a lot of the decks that did well did well because the metagame in Japan has gotten very narrow. So do you think this deck plays well into a mono-red deck? 
I I actually don't know to be honest with you. I feel like there's got to be there's so of, much life gain in here. Is there? There's Blessed Alliance and there's Fumigate. Approach. There's only f- and and approach. approach. Oh yeah, but that costs seven mana. You're not. <laughs> If you're if you get to turn seven versus red deck wins, that's it. The game's over, and it doesn't get much better post board either. Really, I I think that's why they're running the fatal push because when you're on blue white control, and I don't know how many of you have run blue white control, it feels like the early game removal is super loose. Oh yeah, and so I can see that. So they're just like, well, you know, it's it's that bad in blue white. Let's just throw in black for fatal push and language to help my mono red deck match up. In my opinion. All right. <laughs> so this is an unusual deck. Uh, I think that we, we're we going to be looking at control in the future. I'm not sure if we're going to look at this exist, exact list, but we'll keep it in the back of our mind. I think that if we were in a tournament where top eight would have been open sideboards, that kills this list. Absolutely, yeah. If, yeah, I agree. If, if there's an approach of the Second Sun prison list, I'm fairly confident this isn't it. I'm going to put it to you to... <laughs> to brew that list, Matt. And that sounds also, more like a, Fink- a Finkel list to me. <laughs> right? Mm, I think we'll, so we'll too. And like on that same subject, I think my new like gauge for is a deck too janky for any of us to play is whoa, Finkel thought this deck was janky. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me it was will Finkel play this list? Right. <laughs> If it's yes, I gotta stay away from it. <laughs> Finkel won't even touch this one. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd touch this list as a thing. <laughs> Alright, so we'll go through our 5th through 8th list as well, and we also want to briefly just mention what happened, because we do have top 6 that they report out, or top 16 that they report out of there. So in the 5th place, we have Insul Agro by Yudagawa Turu. So this is a pretty stock list. We don't see any changes out of Ixlan coming here. They've got the Hangerback Walker's main deck instead of Walking Ballista, so that's maybe one thing we can comment on. Other and than they've that, got I don't Hope of Gearpur in the main as hmm. well. They do have Hope of Gearpur in the main, so that's a bit of an unusual twist. Two Ornithopter, two Hope of Gearpur. We see some of that. Is there anything special about this list we really need to talk about? I personally don't think so. In Soul is amazing. It has always been amazing, and it's never fallen far from Tier 2. So This list time and again is showing up in the top eights mm-hmm. and i always say it's a bad list <laughs> and maybe you get shrapnel I'm wrong. blast you get that shrapnel maybe. blast the face and you're like oh maybe it's not that bad i still haven't played a list where i was like oh man you know that outside of when it just turns on and like right away and just kills you super fast yeah. like the, the kind of yeah aggro decks do that sometimes but maybe there's more here what do you guys think about the Ornithopter in this list? I feel like that's usually a four of. Is it really? I think it's harder It's harder to justify without the, the three drop that boosts the whole team, or boosts mm-hmm. all artifacts. Uh, Tezzeret's Touch, I think that's called. Uh, no, sorry, I was going with the um, the Chief of the Foundry. Mm, yes. Yes. It, it's a solid play, I guess, with Ghostfire Blade as well. Yeah, that's the other one that we really want to see with if you're running Ornithopter. I kind of like the Hope of Gearpore giving another one-drop option kind of the same role as Ornithopter, but it doesn't have to be there. It can crew a copter on its own. It, that seems decent. I'm really surprised not to see Walking Ballista. I was just going to say that, yeah. It seems like a, a really big omission. 
Yeah, I agree. So yeah, again, it's no Sahili combo, and that that lets decks like this that are running Hangerback Walker, which is definitely better against the red decks of the format instead of Walking Ballista. But Walking Ballista is super good against the red decks of the format. Though. That, that's that's my problem with it because you just you can sweep their tokens so easy. Yeah, you can kill their nerds. It is good. So is Hangerback Walker though. When you block, when you trade with something, and you get two one ones, they're just they're in trouble. Absolutely. I just I don't think it should be either or. Yeah, I don't think it's either or either. I think you run the whole eight. So Yeah, it seems it seems like an omission for sure not to have the full eight of Hangerback Walker walking ballista. Like that's the core of so many decks in this format. You have a lot of vehicle decks run them, uh, black green scales, any just artifact centric deck in general. Uh, wants this four hangerback walkers and four walking ballast, so they're just that good. Oh, yeah. All right, so I'm going to go on to our next list, which is a human bat list run by Ikabada Rio. So I think we're going to need all of your expertise on this one, Kevin. It's a human bat list. This is kind of your uh, wheelhouse here. Yeah, we don't talk about human ban very much, do we? Sorry, I thought there was a blue red prowess list in here that came before the bat list. Oh, did I skip over that one? All right, well, so I guess I'm a little bit out of order here, or mine opened up in a different order. I mean, they're both top eight, so we can talk about Human Bant first. We'll, we'll grab that one next. Yeah, it's another one that's fifth through eighth place. So this one, so the first thing it's I want to point weird. out, we've got a one court of calling. So that means that I, I think that's the reason why he's got a lot of one ofs in this list that you might not see. So we've got one Dusklatch Recruiter, one Jace Vince Prodigy, one Selfless Spirit, one Ramanat Excavator, one Deathgord Scavenger, one Ronas the Indomitable. And then more of our usual ones, sort of. We've got Sirvan of the Conduit, which is a change. We've got Sylvan Advocate. Is this even humans? Uh, you know, I'm no. Not seeing... See, that's that's what I was going to comment on. People. Ah, so it, I don't the way it's labeled, yeah, it's not really list. humans. Okay, so this is just yeah. a Bant Coco, which is interesting. So that's yeah. why we're seeing things like Nissa, Deathgord Scavenger, Sylvan Advocate, Sirvan of the Conduit, Renegade Rallyer is usual, but we're seeing Rogue Refiner, um, Toothalia, Tireless Tracker. Yes, yeah, so that Court of Calling is a big standout as well as an Ojitize Command, which is something we don't really see. It's a little expensive for this kind of deck. But it's still another Bant Coco. Can you still talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be glad to talk about it. So this looks a lot more, to me, like a return to form for value Coco in Bant. So we've got the Selfless Spirit, guaranteed like it's not a 4 of, but you can bring it back with Ojitize Command, and you can bring it back with Rogue Refiner, which is really, really cool. We've got Mainboard, Graveyard Hate, and Death Gorge Scavenger, which you can tutor out with your Collected Company, and you can tutor out... Well, it's not really. You can dig for it with your Collected Company, and you can tutor it out with your Court of Calling. And then the use of Mana Dorks was really interesting to me in this list, and the use of Sylvan Advocates, which is... That was a mainstay of Bant Collected Company non-human in its time in Standard. So... And also something to note is that there are no values lieutenants, which means that this is by no means a humans list. So, Okay, so it's an interesting list. It's kind of a form that we see, so we're running already late on time. We'll move on from it. If I have one question for you, maybe, it would mm-hmm. be that Servant of the Conduit. Do you see any reason to run that over Elvish Mystic, which could have taken the same place? I would say never, ever, ever. Um... No, I don't think so. I think that that was probably just a value call, like a, a price call. Okay, and one more to Matt here is, do you see anything missing from this list? No, I think it's a pretty cool list. The big thing for me that I see out of this list is Servant of the Conduit, just without an energy payoff, 
I, I don't get it. You know, like you have Renegade Rallyer there for energy as well, uh, but there's no energy payoff, so it doesn't it doesn't make sense to be stacking these energy creatures. Yeah, they're uh, not even running the land. I'm trying to see if there's anything that comes from there's Aether Sphere Harvester in the sideboard. Rogue Refiner that usually that usually fills itself. Yeah, sir. I said Renegade Rallyer. I meant Rogue Refiner uh, as far as energy goes, but. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see a reason for uh, Servant of the Conduit over uh, Elvish Mystic. Turn three Thalia is backbreaking, uh, or even even uh, turn th- or turn two Reflector Mage or or like Thalia is, is really backbreaking. Turn three uh, Tireless Tracker, and you get the land on turn three is pretty big. Yeah, turn two Renegade yeah. Rallyer is a huge way to get ahead that the human lists aren't able to do. Yeah, so I I don't see a compelling reason. It has a little bit of a bigger body, but I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's worth the trade-off myself. Okay, I'll move on to the next list, though. We're just going to briefly touch on this one on how it's different from the other one. This is what we mentioned by Takahashi Yuta, another rally combo list. So yet another collected company list in the top eight here. This one, he's not running the Elvish Visionaries at all, so I can't make those comments here. He's got two of the Sidisis Faithful. That's the 0-4 for a blue, that when it comes into play, you can sacrifice a creature to bounce a creature to its play- owner's hand which is a big change. He's got one of the Grim Harris Becks, which we see in some of these lists, which is the 3-2 that has Morph, and whenever another non-token creature you control dies, you draw a card. It's got one of the Flip Liliana, and it's going all the way up to four on the Renegade Rallyers. Not too much else different in this list. So kind of, it it just goes to show how many good cards there are that this deck would play if they could. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. So the only fun thing out of this list, I want to say that they have four of the Kite Sail Freebooter in the sideboard, and that they're running two Dusk to Dawn as a sideboard option. So that's kind I of I think super... Kite Sail Freebooter is such a great addition to this list. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the only thing I see missing from this list is Spell Queller. I think, and I think even the other last list only had three, and I think the right number for Rally is four. Spell mm-hmm. Queller just fits into their game plan so well. Uh, I, I can't find a reason not to be running Spell Queller, personally. Yeah, I'd probably trim some of these cuter cards like Liliana Heretic, Heretical Healer for Spellcrawler. Yeah, this to me speaks to more of a, what the what the deck was doing during Standard, right? Uh, and there, I think there's some holdovers from that versus what it has kind of evolved into uh, in, in Frontier. So I think I think that's probably why the other more tuned list was higher up. You know, it was just a better list. I agree. And our final top eight list, we have a blue-red prowess, this one running Thermo Alchemist as a twist that we sometimes don't see. So the only creatures are four Monastery Swift Spear, four Thermo Alchemist, none of the other prowess creatures in here. And yeah, they're just and, running uh, all of the burn. All the burn, three Fevered Visions, four Treasure Crews, three Search for Escanto, which I thought was really strange. This is a super cool list. It's so cool! I, uh, I've been playing Popper a lot lately, and Thermo Alchemist is a mainstay of Popper Burn. So, to see a deck that really, really just wants to push forward with all the burn possible, and then keep pinging you over many turns, and its only real creatures are four Monastery Swift Sphere and four Thermo Alchemist, that's just... Man, that's exciting. It's cool. It's real cool. I feel like Opt would be a great card for this list. I agree. I would probably be running opt over search for Ascanta. Yeah, search maybe maybe in the sideboard. I feel like. 
Yeah, it is a great card, and I can but see I feel it like between out treasure crews. But yeah, even that, that's hard to do. I almost want to say with four treasure crews, you might want strategic planning in this list. But I just feel like as this kind of deck, search for Ascanta beside Fevered Visions is overkill, right? Like they do the very similar things, right? They just yes, keep they giving you gas to throw it at their face. I like search for Ascanta, but I think it's more of like a sideboard card for grindy matchups. Uh, yeah. I'm also like in this I like specifically. Yeah, yeah, I like Hungry Flames, uh, but I'm not sure it's a three of a three mana in this kind of list. Like a list with 22 lands, so yeah, that's a tough sell. And I almost like um, the Insult to Injury more than that—the one that doubles all of your damage and then can be flashed back for Hungry Flames. Yeah, if I was to take this list and tune it, I would go ahead and lower the curve quite a bit because the curve's a little too high for my comfort. I really like Collective Defiance, though. I think it's super underplayed. It's a great card that that I think doesn't get its due. Oh, yeah, totally. It's a great card. All right, so wrapping up, guys, let's uh, talk about a little bit what's going on in the world of Frontier. There's nothing too much big on current events other than that Sky's band is going to be touring. So by the time this comes out, he's going to be out seeing the country and uh, playing some great music. So we're not going to have him on next week. Instead, we've got a very special surprise for you that I'm quite excited about. So you weren't quite on the mark as far as current event goes. Uh, big announcement for the Toronto crowd. Well, maybe not an announcement by the time this comes out. Uh, but very exciting to see uh, Frontier returning to Toronto on November 18th at 12 noon at ANC Games. It's a 1K, so I hope to see you all there. Yeah, we're really hoping for a big turnout on this one, guys. I mean, it's exciting to see that Frontier is, is still alive and booming in Toronto. This should be a big tournament, and we're really excited about this store. We're going to be working hard with them. Yeah, can you uh, can you talk a little bit about what a one K is, Matt? Oh, so yeah, prizing uh, is a thousand dollars, basically uh, spread across the tournament. So these were it's it's the same scale as the larger events that we saw at Face, uh, and unfortunately, Face uh, decided they didn't want to continue with Frontier. Uh, but it's nice to see that the community still loves the format enough that another store has decided to uh, pick up that slack. Uh, it's really nice of them, so we appreciate it and. And we'll certainly be, I'll be there, and I, I hope to see others there as well. So I'm going to fly out for one of these things, man, <laughs> probably next year. But hey, let me know when you do that. on these, and yeah, totally. We should do it, Finkel. We should do it together. Be a good time. You super should. All right, so we got a big surprise coming up next week, talking a little bit about some history in the world of Frontier, but it's going to be good. But that's all we really have for the time for the show tonight. So why don't you guys reach out, talk to us. We're at MTG Frontier at Twitter, MTG underscore Frontier on Instagram, reddit.com, r slash MTG Final Frontier. We're also on Discord, which you can find on any of those locations. We've got streaming of feature matches from the UOL every Tuesday at 6.30 Eastern Time. Those have been great. Or you can find us live at go.twitch.tv slash MTG Final Frontier. So that's it for tonight's show. And as always, I want to thank you guys out there. Every one of you that's listening, thank you guys so much. We look forward to being your go-to source for Frontier information online. Have a good night, everyone. I love you all, and I'll talk to you in a couple weeks. All right, we're going to miss you, Kevin. Uh, have a good one, guys. Thanks for joining us, and it's been a great t- it's been a great time. All right, this is your final Frontier. Thanks.